Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and legal ops thought leaders from across the ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. On this episode, I teleport you to our 2023 Clock Global Institute stage in Las Vegas, where we recorded this podcast episode live as our closing day session. My guests were pulled from each corner of our legal ecosystem, consisting of legal tech or service providers, in-house legal department members, and law firms. Our topic tracks to the theme of the conference, transformation, and those dark night of the soul moments at the end of act two of any story we all seem to go through in business transformation work throughout our careers. I shared mine pretty vulnerably at the opening of the Institute, which you'll be able to hear on Clock's YouTube channel. After that exposure, I thought it'd be interesting to hear similar stories from some of our members. Look, it all comes down to this. Pain is the touchstone of growth. True personal and professional transformation comes from us not quitting in our dark night of the soul moments. We can't go back to who we were in act one. We can only go forward because that is where the next iteration of us lies. So please enjoy this episode where we fight to get to act three with each of our guests and their powerful stories. Please welcome back your MC for the 2023 Clock Global Institute, Jen McCarran. Let's welcome my first podcast guest to the stage, Vice President of Business Development at LegalBillReview.com, Virginia Griffith. Let's welcome our next guest to the stage, Associate Vice President, Legal Operations at Nationwide, our, and our 2023 Leo Award winner, Jennifer Matson. And we have a surprise guest. There was some travel switch up. So we went for a panel trying to reflect our membership, ecosystem membership. We have a tech services provider. We have an in-house person and a law practice provider. So we have a surprise guest who didn't make the program. Please welcome to the stage, Chief of Staff of Legal over at Mod Council and the Ambassador of Las Vegas, Carl Morrison. Look at this good looking group. Jeez, we know how to pick them. Guys, take a seat. Let's chat. So I brought you guys on because the other day I opened with a keynote about this concept of the dark night of the soul. In every story, the hero's journey, they move through act one, act two, act three, right? Thank you, Shakespeare. Thank you. That. Thanks, Bill. And at the end of act two, in most stories, television shows, and books we read, that hero hits a wall and goes into a moment of despair and doubt and vulnerability, and they don't know if they're going to make it. And when you think about Luke in Star Wars, he's not in touch with the Force and not sure he can do this thing, and he needs Yoda to come and like reprogram and go, and like it's deep within you, go within yourself. And he gets back on that Millennium Falcon and he flies it into the Death Star. My man, Luke Skywalker. I confessed a bit in my opening that this is where I am and that I often think about just pulling the plug and just going back and going, you know, I could switch roles. And my team, they got CLM, they got it. I could jump on the other side of the ecosystem and these thoughts crossed my mind. 
You all don't know this, but I went into a vulnerability spiral backstage after. I was like, why did I just tell them? <laughs> I was like, my team is here. <laughs> and what is happening? And in cue, our other keynote, he had to hold me for a few minutes and he let me cry. His poems really kind of put it all into perspective for me. And then I walked around and it worked. People were telling me their stories all week and how hard this is, but they're pushing through. So that I'm not the only one who's being vulnerable on stage, who's in this work, like you three have lived it for years. I'm bringing you up to tell your dark night of the soul stories. I want you to share them into the podcast with our audience because I think that's where people learn is when you talk about the hard stuff mm -hmm. and we can relate to it and pick it up. When you're your authentic self, right? When you're your yeah. authentic self. I mean, what does that mean to you? That is coming up everywhere this week. I feel like we're in search of that in this new world order of a more socially conscious workplace, a chaotic and polarized world. What does authenticity, Carl, mean for you? I mean, you're someone who is so authentic. <laughs> I'm just me, right? You're just I you. just I've never been that type of person, even as a child, to want to put on airs yeah. or be someone else. Yeah. I embrace and struggle with me, right? Yeah. And the dark night of the soul. He comes out at times, many times, yeah. personally, professionally, throughout my whole life. Yeah. And I have learned over the years, right, to really embrace that and own that aspect of me. So that's who I am. That's the authentic me. And I share that freely with people, yeah. right? Now, conversely, there are times that I do put a wall up to yeah. try to protect myself right, yeah. from that it vulnerability. Is it during implementations it of foundational tech solutions? Oh, <laughs> you're bringing up a really dark story. <laughs> well, that's where I am. That's where they come because there's so much uncertainty on the other side. And there's money and people and time and lives invested in getting this stuff done. Right. What's the one? I know you recently left... You jumped from your in-house role to Mod Council, a law practice company. Right, right. And you've been through some moments in-house. Which one made you cry? Where did you, when did you cry at work? In the bathroom? <laughs> I'll hold when, your hand. Can we don't yeah. hold your hand while you talk about it? So, <laughs> is this Oprah? Is, I didn't realize this was an Oprah show. Do you guys know I want to be the Oprah of legal ops? <laughs> That's why I just gently threw things off stage. It's working. We're going, we're going spiritual. When didn't I cry in a bathroom at work? Oh, More like a note, honestly. For me, when I transitioned from Cosmopolitan to Las Vegas, which is where I was heading up the legal operations, and then we were sold to MGM Resorts. And it was a phenomenal opportunity, right? And phenomenal people. And when I went on board with MGM Resorts and their legal department, they were, had already purchased an ELM system. And so they were right at ELM, the ELM, Enterprise S Legal <laughs> Management. Manifestation? Y yes. Management. <laughs> ELM. I haven't crossed that one yet. Oh. But it's everything. I get Dark Night of the Soul vibes from it. Just reading the slides. It is, it is kind of Dark Night of the Soul. Yeah, I think I implementation. You guys don't write that down and literally never get an ELM. I have to watch my mouth. But... I know it works in certain settings. I just happen to be in some of the most information chaotic settings in the last couple of years. So that stuff doesn't work in my realm, but I hope it works in others' realms. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, <laughs> ELM. 
But they were getting ready to implement and they didn't have a legal ops role. They didn't have a head. So I, by de facto, became their head of legal operations. So I, I stepped into this. Now we're getting ready to implement on a system and on workflows that I don't fully understand, right? And imposter syndrome came up. You're not 21. You're like 28. Right. You correct. still have imposter syndrome. <laughs> yes. Yes. And not to make anything about gender, but I thought the women had the lock on imposter syndrome. <laughs> I thought that was just part of womanhood. Nope. <laughs> but you had it and had recently it. in this implementation. Yeah. And so we were going through it. But you're so capable. Everyone, I guarantee you, every single person in this room has felt that way at some point in their career and their life that they know their skills. They're very confident in what they can do. But that imposter syndrome creeps in and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And the system, as we were getting ready to implement and started the implementation, I wasn't looking. I was very happy with everything that was going on. And fast forward nine months and going through all, for those that have gone through any implementation, you guys know the struggle. There's good days and bad days, highs, lows throughout the whole project. And I get down to the wire of it and I'm approached about a position for a chief of staff for Mod Council. And it was an opportunity for me professionally to be part of a company and a value and services they pride that you is like, this is me. recruited for what looks, it's looking like it's your dream job. I'm not judging I, from the outside, but you're in a musical right now. Right. You're in a musical. <laughs> but for me, the dark night of the soul was the moment when I accepted the position and had to let go of this project that I'd been working on for nine months. When the finish line was right there, I could see it. And I had to make that sacrifice knowing I was not gonna be able to see it to fruition. And I wept, I'm not kidding you. Wow. I wept over that because I felt I'd failed myself, right? That dark night reared up with that sword. And I was like, what have I done? By doing this, am I a failure? Are people going to look at me as a failure? And I realized, no, I'm embracing this authentically, right? And doing this and taking this leap of faith, right? I could have just hesitated and did all this analysis and yada, yada, yada. Going back to your Luke analogy. Yeah. When Luke's in training, there's a favorite quote. I use it all the time. When Luke's in training and... Yoda asks him to left that X-wing fighter out of the swamp. And he goes, okay, I'll try. And Yoda gets pissed at him. He gets really angry and he yeah. goes, no, do or do not. There is no try. Yeah. And that was my mantra going into this position as chief of staff. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm not going to try it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go in guns a blazing. And I know I've made the sacrifice to do this because it is where I want to be, where I want oh. to go. So that dark night, I wrestled him to the ground. He's quiet right now. He'll show himself <laughs> up again soon, I'm sure. But You are still in your act three. I mean, this is very yeah. recent in this, the last six mm -hmm. months. And you made the switch a few months ago. So the months preceding right. were your dark night. So here you are in act three and you're taking what you couldn't do in that inner disappointment. I mean, I know you, we were just talking Backstage, the four of us were competing on who's the bigger overachiever. Like, what? I think I won. And, oh, and, and I won. You, you, and yes. Jen won. <laughs> and I just, like, gave you that win. Okay. No. I just, I was like, I'm going to throw her a bone. That's not, that's not how an overachiever wins. They overachieve, <laughs> so nobody gives you anything. Here's how I win. I just start talking trash. <laughs> so, nice. so professional. And then tattooing people's bodies with weird contract life cycle phrases. Cool. Mm -hmm. 
So, okay, but you took this, it was like a vacuum of darkness that went into you and now you thrust forward into Mod Council, into a new role, different side of the ecosystem. And Carl, you have, and now you're going to write your third act there of this period of your career and... I can see the fire in your eyes from when you made the jump. I can feel it coming through the LinkedIn. I could feel it coming through your LinkedIn. It's a hunger, right? I was hungering because of the sacrifice I did and had to leave a project behind and left that vacuum. It's not replacing that void, but it is taking that energy of that voidness, I guess you could say, and directing it to a much more positive perspective. And that hunger and that passion and that drive is what is propelling me this direction in this new role. And you talked about growth, really assessing your growth. And if you're like all of us, which we're all very alike, how many of us on this stage, when you're selecting a role or you have a few offers, you'd go to a literal spreadsheet analysis and you're like, company, company, pro, con, matrix, Mm -hmm. green, yellow, red, God. Mm -hmm. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, we're a really cool group we're of people. Spreadsheet or die. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Those for me are very dark moments. It's why I test the market when I get recruited or I'll go out every year or two if I'm somewhere and I'll test it. And I'll see if something that's company says starts to pull at my soul, my purpose, my next adventure. I never wanted to go to Netflix. The role If my team is here, just close your ears for two minutes. The role was posted for nine months. And every time it came up on LinkedIn, I was like, oh, Netflix. Good luck, you guys. And I was like, manager legal ops, LOL. And when they called me, I was in an interview blackout. And I was like, oh, like, oh, you're calling me nine months later. Oh, you already got through all your first, second and thirds. I'm fourth selection. And I think I said to the recruiter, you're late, Jessica. Legal Ops started like a decade ago. <laughs> Bye. And uh, got off the phone. And here I am at Netflix almost five years because when they started the recruiting and asking me what I wanted and who I was and what my vision is, yep. and I started doing the hands and the vision, they're like, we'll give you all of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can I get 10 head count? They're like, done. I'm like, can I get green M&Ms on my desk? Done. I'm like, what, what else? Right. Neck tattoo? Right. Can I get a neck, get a neck tattoo? tattoo? <laughs> can I get a one-on-one with Ryan Murphy? And, true story, it happened. <laughs> he called me once to give me a job referral for someone that works on my team that is friends with Ryan Murphy. I was like, what? Ryan Murphy, you made Glee. I was like, you have the wrong gen. This is gen and legal. He's like, no, you're the gen I need. So, I mean, what? (laughs) But my hiring manager, who's now my manager, he kept texting and calling to recruit me. And he goes, are you losing sleep yet over this recruiting process? And I was like, no, no, no. And then when the headcount hit, the hardest thing we all fight for, and the compensation shifted to move me out of New York to LA, I went, whoa. And I stopped sleeping and I started pacing and I'm a Libra. I had a complete astrological meltdown. We can't make decisions easily. And my wife's like, why are you pacing? We're moving to LA. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then here we are and I'm on a ride of a lifetime, but it was torturous. And when I told him I'm losing sleep, he just went, LOL. With a bitmoji. Like, he's such a weirdo. He recruited me with bitmojis. Take note, DocuSign. I want to accept my offer letters with a bitmoji. But I love that. It's like you had a dark night within a dark night. This is like a turducken. Jen, 
where did it happen for you where you had to go and splash water in your lawyer face at the firm, in your lawyer face in house? We have two folks who went to law school here on the end and two folks you couldn't pay to go to law school on this end. They tried. Right. So... One, I will say this, Leos don't cry. In fact, one of my lines is I will cry in the car on the way home like an adult. Yeah. I will not cry at work, right? So there's the difference, right? So I don't splash the water. I just grit it and keep going. But I had a project where I had leadership agree. This is something we were going to do, right? And it was like, yes, I finally got it. Got everybody to agree. Let's go forward and let's conquer, right? Feeling good about it. And then I got a couple calls on the side from people that were like, hey, I agreed in the room that I'm going to actively work against this project, right? And it's like, thanks for the call. Like, I don't, what do you do with that? Like, I can't use it and tell other people. I mean, the good news is you have a roadblock, so you know what you're going to be working around. But I think the thing with us as legal ops people is that we're actually really good at understanding people, right? We get in deep. We understand your psychology a little bit. We figure out your intrinsic values. So when I had people come in and tell me that, then I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to work that person differently. I got to find out what works for them and work that so I can get my project done, right? But you also say to yourself, where am I working on this project that somebody would literally call me just to let me know they're going to push against me? Should I be doing this at all? Is this even worth it? It doesn't have to be who I am. And then I also think when you said on the opening session, like you don't always have to be the star, not going to lie, hurt. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you something about Leos. The lion mistakes their shape for a star. So it literally hurt. It literally hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You guys like to do your roaring thing. Yeah. Be the center of attention, yeah. right? Have our moment. You should just leave that to us Libras. We will cover center of attention. Okay. And you should try crying. Carl will attest. I was going to say, and I'll just hold you guys. I love you. So... <laughs> It's so Pisces. <laughs> Will you give this man some applause? I love stage left, the Pisces. They're at the end of the Zodiac. You're the most emotionally sophisticated of us all because you can feel it all. Oh, to our detriment. And Leo's can feel about 50% of that. 50% of what he feels? Yeah, yeah, you're about midway, yeah. Yeah, I told you, I don't, I, no crying. <laughs> Somebody calls and says, I'm coming after you. And I was like, but what Leos do though then is dig in deeper, right? Yeah, like, you go well, I'll show you. Yeah, you're- if that's how you want to do it. So we're talking about imposter syndrome. I think that dark thing, I don't think it matters what you achieve. Right. Right. It's always there. And I was telling him back, I was telling Clara backstage that, so we won the Leo award, right? And yeah. then they had us present afterwards to talk about our own projects that we were obviously successful enough in to win an award. I woke up that morning and literally was like, oh my gosh, they're going to ask me that one question yeah. about my own project that I'm going to get wrong. And they're going to be like, told you, she's a loser. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. She shouldn't be in legal ops. How, where does that even come from, right? Where it comes it? from this need to overachieve or this need to yeah. be validated. And I think that we just have to be good enough. We're all meant to be here, right? We all have a purpose right. and nobody else can be us. Yeah. We just need to own ourselves. Good, bad, or otherwise. Own ourselves. Yep. Good, bad, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And now a brief message from our sponsor. Legal ops professionals are often responsible for creating efficiencies and reducing costs. One of the most significant ways you can do that is by reviewing your legal bills for overbilling. LegalBillReview.com is a team of U.S.-based licensed attorneys who review each line item on your legal bills, looking for overcharges and compliance with outside counsel guidelines. LegalBillReview.com is an extension of your legal ops team. They handle the administrative burden of bill review and approval. 
This allows your legal team to focus on new initiatives and substantive legal work. To get started, go to LegalBillReview.com and fill out the contact form. And now, back to the show. Imposter syndrome is another endemic that there is a self-doubt streak that runs through the human condition. I'm relieved to know that it's not only me. I was imposter syndrome my whole 20s. Like I stepped into corporate when I was 21 as a software tester. And I was like, oh, 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 oh I'm going to let myself out. I can't. What are you all even saying be right back in nine years, I'm going to go play bass, guitar, and rock bands because I imposter syndromed out. I couldn't. It was like compare, despair. You all know something I don't. And I was just a wall. Nothing can be permeated. Jen, why do we have this? Here's the thing I actually think we end up doing, which is really sad about it. We're all super capable people. I'm willing to say that we're all very smart people up here and in the room, right? Everybody's really smart. We disqualify ourselves from these great things that we could be achieving because of the imposter syndrome. And I think it's because we all want to be so successful because to your point, we're here to make people's lives easier, right? And we want to achieve at that. But we're a back office on a back office. So you already kind of look down on us. You kind of have this like warrior mentality. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to achieve. And I think that the fear of not you feel like you're disqualifying your team and all these people who are working really hard. Yeah. So it feels like it falls on your shoulders to not only make the organization better, but to let your team shine. Yeah. And I think that weight sometimes, it's a lot. Yeah. And so I think if we just need to, like I said, we just need to embrace who we are and be willing to talk about it and honestly be willing to cry about it, right? Yeah. And just look at each other and say, like you said in the first session, this is hard. We need that vulnerability because if we're not willing to be vulnerable with each other, how are we ever going to grow and get better? We fight. And I did a post on LinkedIn. Yeah about being the knight, right? You're slaying the dragon. But there's times when the knight has to rest and take the moment to step back and go, okay, I will fight this battle tomorrow. I need today to rest to be able to slay that dragon. Yeah, you can take that day. You can take that moment and just be a mess. Right. And just be off or take some out of office or whatever it is that is the thing that, your people, your community here, you can call someone. Right. I've called many of you right. in those moments and gone, ah, help and just hear another voice and not sit alone with the tape. Correct. You talked about Correct. the voice. It's almost like an old tape in your oh. head. Mm-hmm. Oh, mine plays 24 seven. Yeah, I mean, these are, <laughs> this is brain chemistry. It just right. plays stuff. And if you let the chemistry just go, right. it could take you out. Like I've gotten so emotional over a thing at work that I'll wake up the next day with like a cold or something because I just like rattled myself. My immune system was like, we're dying. And you catch a germ or something. It's really powerful trying Mm -hmm. to deprogram that. Well, so I will say, so as a person who is an overthinker and is trying to change, but I feel like the same with you, like I have a tape constantly running. You have to change your own narrative, right? Right. You have to consciously be aware of it to change it. And sometimes when you're spinning, especially projects or when you're trying to drive something, finding that narrative switch is really hard because you're so beaten down. So I had somebody give me a really good trick. So I'm going to pass it off. Use whatever image you want. But I feel like Pigpen, you guys know Pigpen from Charlie Charlie Brown? Brown? Yeah. It's got the dirt cloud, right? That's what I feel like in those moments. And so I had somebody say, I want you to put a picture of Pigpen up on your screen. Yeah. And when you feel yourself getting out of control, look at it and say, I'm having a Pigpen moment. Stop myself and rewind and pull myself out of it and then mm-hmm. tell myself, literally like Stuart Smalley, right? You guys remember Stuart <laughs> right. Smalley from SNL? Like I'm smart enough, I'm good enough and dag on it, people like me. I have to do that to myself in the mirror yeah. and remind myself that I'm worth it. 
Also that the stresses that we have in our jobs are important. What we do is important. But if you had a different job tomorrow, it's you would care same. not. It's the same and you would it's care not same. about that stress right. at the old job. Right. So remember what's valuable to you yes. and focus on that instead. Life is way too short. I agree. Enjoy every moment that's given to you. Yeah. The battles will come and you fight the battles, but you reprogram how you think and you know who you are and the skills that you bring. And all of us in legal operations, right? In the legal industry, we're all very talented. We all have yeah. hard, good skills. That's why we're here. That's right? why we're here. Yep. And so we're here be proud because of that. be proud Own of it. it. We're equipped to fly into the Death Star, but it still means you're going to have these mirror moments mm -hmm. and going to have the moments where you're like, whoa, I was doing a project last year with the team. That technology, one we all know and love, hate, it had never been implemented on earth yet in the history of the human race, the way we were implementing it. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> right. No pressure. It was unprecedented. So there was no rule book. And it was just like a lot of mirror moments mm -hmm. and a lot of darkness. And that one failed, but we talked about it. We memoed what we learned. And we stood up and shouted it. But I love what you said, Jen. It doesn't matter where you work in this industry. We're all an industry. And this is where the needle is. It, what we see in CLM and ELM and matter management, that's like as far as it has evolved right now. And there's always something that isn't going to fit the people. Mm -hmm. Even when you work at Spotify or Netflix, and I don't get free Netflix. <laughs> so what? Stop yeah. asking for your password. <laughs> yeah. No comment on password. <laughs> I don't. Virginia, all of this, what is resonating with you? I know you've been through some battles yourself. You are battle tested. I am definitely battle tested. And for me, what happens often is my battle is usually a personal thing that then also, of course, impacts my professional life. And I was at the beginning of the pandemic, which we're still gonna be telling at the beginning of the pandemic sure, or yeah. during the pandemic, or yeah. there was this pandemic story, I was working in live events for legal. There weren't going to be any live events for months and months and oh, months. Yeah. And at the same time, I had two kids at home that were high school kids trying to do online school. One was doing fantastically, typical type A kid. The other was falling asleep in every single class. So I was trying to figure out what is it that I'm going to do. And I really enjoyed working with the folks that I was putting together programming for the events. And I knew that they were in the same situation. We had our whole marketing budget set up for the whole year. And a lot of that was going to be these in-person events. Now, how are we going to get our name out? How are we going to get to clients? How are we going to do thought leadership? So I started doing some consulting on the side. And at the same time, I'm getting my kids through the last couple of years of school during a pandemic. And I came to work for a legal bill review. And as originally doing some consulting with them in the legal space about legal ops, about the types of events that legal bill review needed to be at. And... At the end of kind of that process, when I started to see the light and move into full-time at Legal Bill Review, I also took my youngest kid and myself, and we moved from the Washington, D.C. area to Boulder, Colorado. Wow. Change on change <laughs> during one of the most uncertain 
yeah. times in history. We sold the house. We sold everything in the house. We took the two dogs and drove across country and built a new house in Boulder, Colorado. Best decision I ever made. The youngest kid now getting ready to start their freshman year Amazing. in college. The oldest kid is going into her senior year in college. And at one point I said to the president of Legal Bill Review, please don't make me the face of Legal Bill Review. Apparently Barbie Core is the face of Legal Bill Review. (laughs) They said, yeah, too late. (laughs) So you're now the face of it. But talk about a pivot in your career. You were live events focused and you saw the lights go out on that. Just they, and you're caring for a family, you're providing and then pivoting on the spot. I mean, moving across the country, not in COVID for a job I've done a version of before was one of the hardest things emotionally I ever did. I left home. Like I I was in New York my whole life and it was a new frontier and I'd never lived in California. It was terrifying to do that with all of those factors on top. Whoa. Yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, it depends on how you want to look at it. I've had to reinvent myself a few times. Yeah. After law school, I actually worked for Westlaw for 11 years thinking that was going to be a temporary thing until I figured out what I wanted to do with my law degree. Yeah. (laughs) And then I became kind of an expert in corporate legal departments and what they needed and what they did. And so I kept evolving. There's certainly times where I felt like I have no idea what I'm doing here. (laughs) I have no idea what these people are doing. And certainly have fought some imposter syndrome feelings as well. But at one point, I even left legal altogether and started a decorating business. So moving to Colorado kind of seemed like, sure, why not? Can I borrow some of your risk tolerance? (laughs) I really admire this. I'm a softie and I need to be in the track. I like to be in the track in the system and know the thing. And you're just like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. When you're making the shift or when you were packing the car with the family for a different kind of job than you've ever had, was there just a moment where you wanted to turn the car around or not get in the car? No, no. And I will tell you why, because the primary reason that I wanted to make the move and our company is based all over the U.S. So I could have lived anywhere. The primary reason that I wanted to move was because I needed a better space for my kid. Mm. And I knew that I would get that in Boulder, Colorado. My sister-in-law, my brother live in Boulder. I needed my kid who had a really hard time during the pandemic to feel more supported. And fortunately, Ryan, the president of Legal Bill Review, didn't care where I lived and supported me moving away from most of our folks are on the East Coast, but supported me doing that. Are you from the East Coast? I'm actually from Indiana. From Indiana, go Pacers. (laughs) Midwest in the house. Virginia. I'm having imposter syndrome. Virginia is so confident. She's just like, put him in the car. Kid needs a better place. Going to Colorado. Go Boulder. Little little SUV, by the way. Little SUV. I told the kid, you get one suitcase because the back seat is for the Labradors. Yes. Oh, dogs in the backpack, kids. In the backpack is for dog food. We're going to take three days to get to Colorado. I've already mapped out. This is the Libra in me, right? I've already mapped out all the hotels we're going to stay at. Libras are very organized. Each one of these hotels was going to be close to a dog park. 
And then when we got there, we stayed in an Airbnb while I built a house. She is laboring out right now. She's like, I'm then just... I did this, then I did that. And now she's going to be like, then I implemented CLM. That's fine. <laughs> no, uh, right, I am not implementing any CLM. Oh, look, but... So you're avoiding the dark night. Of the <laughs> we, we don't need CLM. <laughs> but at the same time, I've grown the business at Legal Bill Review pretty significantly over the last two years. So I'm just sitting here shocked. I'm shocked. I think about the trip that I made when I moved from Tulsa to Las Vegas eight years ago. As a Pisces, as you can imagine, I got in the car with my two cats you and cried, cried in like the car. The first right? six exits. <laughs> it was me and my two cats and all three of us were in the car fully packed. Yeah. And I was bawling my eyes out and they were wailing. And I got just outside of Tulsa and I went... All right, guys, all three of us have to stop. We cannot cry for the next 13 <laughs> hours. So we're going to buckle up and we're going to do this, right? So it's interesting that you were like, we're just going to do this. And me, I'm going, let me cry first. And then I'm going to do it. I know we're podcasting and I'm not supposed to talk to the audience. <laughs> but time out. How many of you <laughs> would watch the Netflix show of Carl and his cats wailing <laughs> in a car? I mean, I Yes, can't. that is... That's 70% of the hands driving across the country, blasting some sad, like Celine Dion diva song, windows down, and you're in like a Prius. No, I drove a a Nissan Altima Altima, two-door coupe. Altima two-door. I'd watch that Netflix show. I'd watch it. I'd binge it on preview. How was law school? How was law school? Yeah, was law school... Were there any dark and stormy moments in law school? I, my brother went to law school and that guy that came out a different guy. He was like completely broke. It was like the Marines for him. And it wasn't even tier one. Like it was just a third tier law school, but he just had a experience there with the level of info and academia. Yeah, tell, tell me, I, lo- read right I loved law school. Oh my goodness. I, she loved I, I, all right. It's time to, it's time to right. move her I, I, lo- right. I loved, <laughs> I absolutely loved law school. Now, of course I didn't intend. She it, loves it, law school. I went to law school thinking that I'm, I was selling copiers before law school. Okay. And I went to law school because I said, I want to be a salesperson for the rest of my life. VP of logic. business development. Yeah. But when I graduated from law school, my dark moment was taking the bar exam. Oh, that's right. You, you took the bar exam. Yeah. So, so when Virginia is met with the tests in life, <laughs> here's where it happens. <laughs> so I'm, you know, flitting around for the summer on my bar loan. Yep. <laughs> because you can them. also get a loan to study for the bar. You can get a loan yeah, to study for the bar. Live, a, live on your own for four months, studying for the bar exam. Most people travel yeah. while we live off of money that we're going to make 30 years <laughs> in the future. I learned, I was this cooking. is a great country. You can I was, start a business selling time. And I money. was so tan that summer. I learned to cook. I mean, and then I went and took the first like full on practice exam where they actually like are grading it. And I was in the bottom 15%. And I was like, and Virginia is one of the top three hardest bar exams to take. Sure. Mostly essays compared to the multi-choice stuff. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And I had my moment where I literally was like curled up in a ball, having the panic attack, sobbing. What have I done with my life? I now owe $100,000 and I don't know what I'm going to do. From that moment forward, I did nothing but study 
for the bar exam. And I passed. Where did you get the fortitude to just turn like that and go from complete fear to complete action? What came up in there? What is in this formula for you? Well, I knew that I did not want to feel like I'd wasted the three years yeah. that I had spent or all that money that I had spent to yeah. go to law school. And again, I didn't want to be in sales for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and then ironically, I had been the Westlaw rep when I was in law school. Yeah. And so after day one of the bar exam, Westlaw called me from the DC office. Yeah and said, hey, do you want to come work for us in sales and account management? And I was like, now it doesn't make any difference if I don't pass. Yeah. I did pass. I went to work for Westlaw thinking, again, it would be a temporary thing. And 11 years later, I am a legal ops person. Wow. Wow. There it is. I found it. I had to fish, Virginia. We had to go back. But Can I give a quick PSA on the bar exam, though, for anybody who might yeah. take it or know someone? Here's a rule of thumb, and I don't know if you did this. Don't sit at a table by the wall, especially not one that shares a bathroom wall, because then you hear people throwing up. Oh, the come entire on. Time, which is what come happened. Come on, people throw up during the bar exam? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Did you hear any wailing? Crying. I literally had somebody in front of me stand up, slam down their stuff and say, forget it and cry and leave. And like a so in in Virginia, because it's a commonwealth and very, very strict and quite frankly, very misogynistic. So in order to take the bar exam, you have to wear a suit to wear a suit. You have to wear a suit to take the bar exam. Plus, you also have to wear rubber-soled shoes because they don't want heels clicking around in the conference center where the bar exam is being held. Wait, wait, you have to wear a suit with rubber-soled shoes? Yes. So, Jen, you love this. Let me tell you what I look like to take the bar exam. My hair was on top of my head because the last thing you want is, like, like hair in your face. Were you punk rock going to law school Barbie? Wool socks, Birkenstocks... Oh my God. And a suit with a sweatshirt over it. All right, all right. I found it. I found the dark night of the soul. (laughs) She wore socks with Birkenstocks, everyone. I found it. I knew. I knew if I just stayed on it with Virginia, we would find it. Birkenstocks and socks. I live in Boulder, so it, now it's exactly. like Well, in Boulder, it's high fashion. <laughs> but on the coasts, we're wondering if you're okay. Blink twice if you're okay in Birkenstocks. <laughs> I love Birkenstocks. I own them. This is not an admonishment of the Birkenstock. Well, Virginia, I thought it would be a fun demo of the Your Dark Night of the Soul for our last few minutes here. We're going to make you take the bar exam in front of the five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll it out. Roll out the test and the GPT prompt. Yeah, the chat, the chat it thing against you. can now pass it, apparently. Since we're overachievers and we're going to see how well you do. Yeah, well, I'm just going to have the AI do it because apparently it now passes the bar. Yeah, exam. the AI is passing the bar, which really makes you wonder... Why do we need that test? What is that test really training you how to do? Throw up in a bag. Throw up in the bag. <laughs> hold, hold your own Cry. hair. Cry. Uncontrollably. <laughs> and wear sneakers. So as you're throwing up in the bathroom, hey, they, my, they couldn't pay me to go to law school. I just We really sold it now, didn't we? You're really <laughs> selling being a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, I think we... We made the right decision. We dodged a bullet. We How, dodged a bullet. However, all of us are in the work, in the trenches. Jen, your moment when a lawyer, it sounded like it was a lawyer stakeholder of yours, gave you the buy-in in the room. Mm-hmm. And then they went back and they went, you know what? Never mind. 
The whole thing is shit and I just lied. I just sort of put that on, but I changed my mind. Mm -hmm. This happens and you talked about EQ and empathizing. I mean, I'm laying myself out to shape shift to what they want, need, what makes them feel good and to understand that very quickly. Mm -hmm. Look, one of my Achilles heels is litigation ops. I'm going to say it, don't tell anyone. And it's a good thing we're not recording. (laughs) And I have gone as far, I learned a TikTok dance with the litigation paralegal's teenage daughter recently and did it on the streets of New York just to make her laugh. To make the lip, the lip paralegal thinks I'm a complete kook and I found her funny bone <laughs> and I make her laugh to try to make projects go easier. I'm clowning. I mean, I'm also really good at TikTok dances and I'm also a teenage girl at heart. Okay, so one, we're going to have to see the dance. Oh, absolutely. I think. <laughs> oh, I can't. I'm, I can't do the dance. <laughs> and there's no music playing. Mm, so I'm going to stand mm, here mm, and like mm, mime mm. a dance for you guys. I did that last clock. I danced on stage. And next clock, I'm going to be lowered onto the stage. Like Justin Bieber in the Believe Tour, which I went to as an adult. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that is the emotional laying yourself out like that. I've never vomited from it, but it makes me extremely tired. My first year at Netflix, I would just go home and face plant into bed. There was no gym. Some of those routines and rituals we all have. It, the ritual was faceplant because I was just like, tell me your pain points and getting run over by incredible pain points. You've been to the, through the bar exam and as an attorney and you do legal ops now. You're real glutton. You're really a glutton. What did you do to capture that person? So I think you really have to, to your point one, figure out how you can build a personal relationship, right? Because relationship if they, once they know you, they want to help you as yeah. long as they... They like what they see, I guess. That might be a part of it. But you meet them where they're at, right? Because you've got to figure out what makes them tick and then speak to them in that language, right? Meet them where they're at. Meet them where they're at. That means leaving where you're at. And that's like sometimes it's not common for us. We think we're fixed in the little red pin emoji. Yeah. But you got to lift it up like on the Google map and drop it on the Uber and drop it there. It's true. That takes energy. Well, because it's hard because you have to think like we get so into it, right? So we start talking our speak and we think like they should get this. They're getting paid so much money or they really should want this because it's really going to help them out or, but you have to give them the so what. They don't understand the so what. So when you find them and figure out what for them matters and then what for their team matters and you sell them on that, they're going to come with you. But then also if you can't get them, make them the sponsor of the project because then they don't want it to fail. Oh, tricks. So that's now she's back to tricks. <laughs> Side trick. But really first find out what makes them tick and then meet them there and then help them understand the value that you're going to bring to them. I wasn't expecting empathy and orientation moving to them as a vehicle for moving from act two into act three. There's so many tools in this work. You three, thank you for coming up here and being willing to unveil some of your dark night of the soul (laughs) moments. Look, I love the dark. It makes the brights brighter. Thank you. On behalf of the board of directors, everyone, and our legal clock staff team, thank you all for being part of this amazing Global Institute. Whether you're an attendee, a sponsor, an exhibitor, Whether your role's in-house, at a law firm, at a law, legal service, or tech provider, or other, you all help make this amazing event and play a critical role in transforming the business and practice of law. 
It's been incredible being with you all week and tattooing things on your neck and saying sometimes funny, borderline inappropriate things, but I had fun. Did you guys have fun? <laughs> Did you learn one thing? Did we learn at least one new thing and make one new friend? Yes, that's KPIs met. I love that. And we've strengthened bonds that we can take into the year. Until we meet again, everyone, see you out there on LinkedIn, online, in our regional chapter meetings. And please enjoy a few scenes from our time together in our closing reel. We'll see you all soon. So inspired by this community, I really appreciate how open and welcoming everyone is and how everybody seems to really show up as an authentic person. And it's really helped me view my authentic self already at this conference. My favorite part so far has just been all the warm introductions from everybody here. Everyone is just so excited to share their experiences and connect with one another about what's going on in their own legal departments. It's a super welcoming community. Everyone's here to have fun, share ideas. Sometimes you feel like an outsider in your company, but here you're one of a, a group and I love it. I have two noobs here from my old job and just exposing them to the legal ops community and what their career can have in store for them. It is what made me change my career from law to legal operations. Game changer, not just for the legal technology and legal world, but also for other functional areas to learn from how to create a great ecosystem for everyone to grow collectively. We're a community and so I'm really happy to be here to reconnect with my colleagues. It's just such a special community where you can go from session to session and party to party of course and have the kind of conversations that can't happen anywhere else. Rock is the place to be. That about wraps up this episode. Thank you, Virginia, Jen, and Carl for going there with me through all the themes of this podcast, tech, transformation, and the meaning of life. You can catch this and other episodes of Clock Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.